Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, The title of my message tonight is We All Fall Down. Ring around the rosies, a pocket full of posies. Tissue a tissue, we all fall down. We all fall down. It's just a reality of life. It's just a, a fact that, that is there. It's existent and you'd be lying to yourself. And I, I think we like to do that because we like to put on a bit of a, of a front and let people know that we're, you know, I got it all together and on the outward, I'm looking like I got it all happening. But if we're honest, we all fall down. We, we all fall down in different ways and for different reasons. Sometimes you fall down because you're stupid and you make bad decisions. Sometimes you fall down because you've lost your way and you've got into a place where you shouldn't be and so you don't know how to walk right in a certain spot and because you don't know how to walk right, you're tripping over yourself all the time. Sometimes you fall down because circumstances and situations are just so overwhelming, it's all that you can think to do. I got four kids, you know, and you see them when they get sick and they get tired and they're just overwhelmed and it's all too much. They just kind of flop on the floor in the corner. As a, as a sign of surrender, I'm done. I'm just done. I've got nothing left. I don't know. And you pick them up and you put them into bed and you promise them that tomorrow will be okay. Sometimes you just fall down because it's just all too much. That's the, uh, as I was was seeking God for for the message for tonight, I I thought I could speak about any one of these different types of things out of the life of one of my biblical heroes, David. And and probably if anything, I've got a series of messages out of the the research where we could talk about making stupid decisions and, and falling down because of that. And then we could talk about, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time and making bad decisions because of that. But I really felt like God's heart for tonight was in, in a story. Um, and if you've got your Bibles, if you could turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel and chapter 30. And uh, I'm going to share with you a story about when it all just became too much. Just all became too much. And I really have a sense uh, and, a, and a hope that tonight as we, as we go in and delve into God's Word, that there is going to be such a spirit of encouragement that comes into this place. It's so amazing what Tony was just saying. You know, I, I think it's awesome that we encourage each other at lev- that level. But I, I'm believing at the end of tonight that our encouragement is going to look different. That turning to the person next to you and saying, you look really good tonight, that's awesome. But is that actually encouragement? Because do I feel courage on the inside of me as a result of what you're saying? And and, and I believe God is calling us to be a church that knows how to encourage, how to put courage in. And and, and so that's what I want to share with you tonight. Just a couple of quick thoughts. And then we're going to do some ministry, pray for some people, sing some more and then go home. Does that sound good? Fantastic. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to read to you about nine verses, but before I do, I want to set you up with a bit of a backstory. So it's a story about David, and I don't know if you know much about David, but David was uh, the youngest son of eight. Had all these brothers that were uh, the preferred brothers. They were big and tall and handsome and powerful and and the ones that were considered first. And, And there came a time when the man of God came to David's house looking for a king. And as a son, how many of you know this is when you want the call up? You want the call up because they're talking about who's going to be king. And David's dad literally forgot about David. 
got through all of the sons and the prophet went, I mean, after seven sons, what a stupid question. Have you got another one? Like, what are you, seven's not enough? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's one out the back paddock. He's, uh, and the, the man of God says, we can't do anything until he gets here. Forgotten about by his own dad. David goes down to deliver some cheese and bread because in, in that moment, he's anointed king. But David had such character that he was anointed king and then he went back to look after sheep. Because he had a faith and a belief that the call of God on his life was God's responsibility. So I know I'm anointed for it. Now I can rest in it rather than trying to push my way to the front going, okay, where's my crown? Who's going to recognise me? i got sheep to look after because until God, if God anointed me, then God needs to open the door for me. So I'm just going to go back and look after some sheep. And so he had such character, he goes back to look after sheep. And his dad says to him, look, I need you to deliver some bread and some cheese to your brothers down and just check on the battle, see how things are going. So David heads on down to the battle and his, his brothers are so despising of him that when they see him, they're like, you've just come down here. You've probably let them. They begin to accuse him and question his motive. And David answers openly and he's like, no, I didn't. And the funny part about that story is his brother said, you've just come down to watch the battle, right? What battle? They weren't fighting. They were hiding behind the rocks while Goliath intimidated them. What's to watch? There's nothing to see here. And yet David in his character, amazing, amazing. And then he becomes promoted and now he's working for the king. And, and in the natural, you think, okay, I'm heading towards my moment now because I'm anointed to be king and now I'm serving the king. So this must be it. This must be how I get there. And then the king starts trying to kill him. And at that point, he's like, God, what are you doing? I don't understand what is happening here. He literally has to flee for his life. And he's hiding in the back of the wilderness in a place that's owned by the Philistines who are the sworn enemies of Israel. He's forced to take refuge in the last place on earth you would look to take refuge in. How many of you think the guy's feeling a little bit destitute and despondent about now? This is a guy who at this point is lonely. He's alienated. He's isolated. He's questioning God. Didn't you say I was going to be king? King of what? Now I can't even go home. And he's in the back end of this desert and he's serving this king. And the king goes, we're going to war with Israel. And David goes, I'm coming. And the king goes, awesome. Your army is fantastic because David had this ability to, to draw young men to himself who were powerful and mighty. And he was building an army. They didn't come to him powerful and mighty. They came to him disappointed and disillusioned and, and, and in debt. And David was able to speak to them and encourage them and draw the greatness out of them. Amazing leader. And so he goes, we're going to war too. And so they head off to war. He's having a moment. We're going to go to war. This is going to be awesome because David's a fighter. He wants to fight. And they go out to war and the king says, they get to war and the king says, the other guys don't want you to fight with us because they're scared that you're going to turn on us. You need to go home. <laughs> I can't even get a gig with the bad guys. At this point, David is, is feeling disappointed. He's feeling disillusioned himself. He's feeling like, man, I just can't catch a break. What's going on here? What is happening, God? I can hear that. I don't know what your conversation would look like. My conversation would look like, God, what the heck? And so they set out on this three-day march back home. We've marched all the way out here. We've left our families and our wives and kids and our resource at home. We've come out here for a fight 
and they've just questioned our motive. They've questioned our intent. They've told us that we're not good enough. They've told us that we don't match up. And so here we are walking home three days. And that's where we pick up the story. Chapter 30. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realised what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Zahonim, from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar bought it and then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out. How many of you think this dude's having a bad day? He's having a bad couple of days, if we're honest. And here he is. He's in the back of the desert. He's hiding. He's going, God, where's your call? What's happening here? I'm trying to do all the right things. He's been judged on his motive time and again and time and again. And then when he's trying to do the right thing, he comes home and the very intimate things of his world have been taken from him to the point where desperation overwhelms him. And the Bible says, David and his men wept until they could weep no more. That's a bad day. He's having a bad day. And I don't know if there are people in this place who have ever felt divided. But here's David. He's been cut off from his source of strength. You know, David had this reputation. He would go out to battle and he would come home and the women would come out and they would sing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And they would begin to encourage and sing his praise. And here comes David home from battle and he's been cut off from the source of his encouragement. There's nobody to sing a song for David when he comes back from battle. There's nobody to sing, David, how awesome you are, and build him up and encourage him. He comes home to silence. He comes home to smoke. He comes home to ruin. I, I, I find it, it's incredible the words that the Bible uses. It says they had, it didn't say they had uh, attacked. It says they had crushed Ziglag. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been crushed before. The things that are important and of value, the things that, that, that matter to you, that are intimate, that are close to your heart, have been crushed and torn away. And here's David. And he's divided from his source of his strength. He was a family man. All of a sudden, he's dealing with division in his own life. I don't know what division is happening in your world and in your life right now, but the story gets better. The story gets better. The second thing that David happens is disappointment. God, I was out there trying to do the right thing. God, I was out there trying to do the thing that you've called me to do, to be this warrior king that you've called me to be, to lead these men that you've called me to lead. And I'm doing the right thing. And then I come home and my home is a mess. So disappointed with that outcome. I don't know if you're a parent in this place tonight and you feel like you're out there serving God and then you come home and the house is a mess. Kids aren't walking with God. 
husband not walking with God. Things are not good at home and I come home from trying to do what I thought God called me to do, to do something amazing for God and I come home to smoke and ruin. I feel crushed and I'm so disappointed. David was utterly defeated. Why do we fight? Why do we go out and do these things? To provide for our families and to create and establish a kingdom. And at this moment, David is utterly defeated. I don't know if you've ever felt defeated. It's just me. Have you ever felt like this battle was too much, God? I'm just, I'm, I'm defeated. I'm done. I got no fight left. I got nothing. I don't, I, I'm defeated. I'm beaten. It's got me. I'm done. I'm defeated. I've tried everything I knew how to do. I tried to serve the king and he tried to kill me. I tried to serve another king and he didn't want me. I try to do so many different things and everything just keeps coming up short. I don't know what to do. I'm completely defeated. And he just curls up on the floor and weeps until he can weep no more. Let's all of his emotions hang out. How many of you think at this point, David's feeling a little bit discouraged? All of that courage and that bravado that, that, that you know, I've slayed my tens of thousands. Look out, Goliath here. It's a good thing Goliath didn't happen here. Because at this point, it could have been a struggle. The, the young David who'd run out with his sling and his stones to have a crack at Goliath. It's not the same David in this moment. This is a defeated, discouraged, disappointed and divided David. And I know that I know that I know that there are people in this room who are feeling every single one of those things that I just talked about in some way, shape or form. It's not how I thought it would turn out. I'm so disappointed. I remember getting saved at a youth camp and I was a teenager and I was going to take over the world. I just don't have the courage for that kind of thing. I'd be lucky if I could speak to someone at work about Jesus these days. I just don't have the courage to believe that God could still use me. I don't have the courage to believe in a God that is still able that's not done. It's all good for the teenagers. It's all good for the young people. And here's David, discouraged. So I got four quick points. Is that right? Still with me? Everyone's still in the room. Four quick keys that I believe are from the life of David here that each one of us needs to get a hold of. If we get hold of these things, it changes the game. Four quick things. I'm going to pray for some people. We're going to worship some more. You ready? First thing. David found strength in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself. He encouraged himself. It's awesome to be in a great church with encouraging leadership. But when everybody's wives and children have been taken, it's a safe bet that nobody's thinking about encouraging you at that point. Here's David. His wives and kids have been taken too. And yet his men are are bitter and resentful towards him, looking to take him out and possibly stone him. They're not thinking, how can I encourage my leader? And there will be times in life where if you're one of those people that needs to be propped up by the encouragement of people, you will go sadly into the night because the truth of the matter is my problems are overwhelming me. I got no margin left to encourage you. 
And there will be times in your life where the camp has been invaded and people have come and they have taken stuff that they shouldn't have taken and they've invaded my privacy and they've violated my sanctity and they've come and done all this stuff and I need someone to encourage me. But the person next to me is going through it as well. So if I'm waiting for them to encourage me, I'm going to come up short every time. And there's a strategy and a a knack that David had throughout his life, his ability to encourage himself in the Lord that set him up to be victorious in the long run, that set him up to establish a kingdom and ultimately be the line down through which the Messiah came. His ability to encourage, I want to be a church that encourages and Kath preached a great message a few weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago now about margin and living with the margin. And I want us to always live with margin where there's that ability to see beyond ourselves. And one of the great things I love about Pastor Tony is his ability to cross over and put himself in your shoes and be an encouragement in that spot. But what about when his life is in crisis? What about when his wives and children have been taken? If you're waiting for an encouraging word, from a senior leader that may not even know what's going on in your world right now. You have to have the ability to encourage yourself in the Lord. It's just the truth of the matter. We know, we know that David was a great writer. He wrote the Psalms. And uh, I just thought it's interesting to turn here to Psalm. You don't have to, I'm going to. Psalm 56, which was written about this time. I think it's interesting. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me and are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what He has promised. Are you feeling encouraged? Here's David encouraging himself. I praise God for what He has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching every step eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness and your anger. Oh God, bring them down. You keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. For this I know, God is on my side. Side. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. God is on my side. <laughs> I praise God for what He has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what He has promised. I trust God, so why should I be afraid? Once again, what can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and I will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. And you have kept my feet from slipping, so now I can walk in your presence, O God. Written at a time of desperation, written at a time of persecution. What an amazing faith and ability to step into that place and say, yep, it's looking bad right now. There's people in my world that want me dead. My own king wants me dead. There's people in my world who wish harm to me. There's people who are saying not nice things about me. But I will trust in the promises of God. 
I will trust in the promises of God. You can't wait for someone else. You've got to speak to yourself. Have you heard that song, Say Something? Say something, I'm giving up on you. Say something. Say something before you give up on you. Say something about the goodness of God. Say something about the promises of God. Say something about the way God has delivered on His promises in the past. I can imagine David saying something. He's down there, he's crying, he's weeping. And in the back of his head, he thinks Goliath. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, Goliath. Yep. In his head, he's thinking, I remember that song when the bear, the lion, song I was writing on the harp when the bear, I remember. I, I remember when the man of God poured the oil over my head and anointed me to be king. Say something about the goodness of God. It's interesting to me, just a cautionary side note, extra point, extra value, whatever. This is the extra value meal. This is the upsize. The men who are around David and surrounding David, the Bible says out of their own bitterness, they thought about killing him. Beware of bitterness, church. This is a man who they've come to be with in the middle of the desert, who has such leadership anointing that they make him the king of nothing. That's how anointed this guy is. He's a great leader. He lays down his life for his men. He leads them with compassion and love. And yet in their personal crisis, because they didn't get a hold of their bitterness, they looked at killing him. Watch what you do in your bitterness. And watch out for bitter people. Because they might want to get in your world when you're being all kingly and such. But wait until somebody comes and takes something from them. They'll be looking to throw stones. Watch out for bitter people. Bonus point. David encourages himself. He doesn't wait for his left-hand man, right-hand man. He doesn't wait for his executive team to come together and encourage him. He doesn't wait for, I've got to wait for church on Sunday and then I'll get some encouragement. You know, I'll walk in with my sad face on and people will say, are you okay? And then I can pour out my heart. To them. No, he just, I got to get my encouragement on because I've got things to do here, people. Right? I ain't got time to sit around and wait for you all to, to get with the pro- program here. I don't, I don't got a pity party that I'm inviting you all to. Please come and feel sorry for me. He's like, I got a wife and some kids to rescue. I got a promise to get a hold of. I got things to do, ground to take. I got stuff to do. I don't got time to sit here feeling sorry for myself. I got to encourage myself. Church, if you get nothing else out of tonight, Learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Learn to reiterate. Get in those Psalms. When you're feeling down, don't wait for a pastoral visit. Get in the Psalms. Read some of the promises of God over your life. Stir the faith in your heart up. Begin to declare the... Ring some people who got some breakthrough and say, I know you were struggling a few weeks ago. What got you through? Oh, I was reading this and I was reading that. Great, thank you very much. I'm gonna read those things too. Talk to some people in this church who've been through some stuff. Some of those couples that have been waiting on kids that have suddenly got pregnant. Some of those people that have been waiting on physical healing suddenly got some healing. Talk to some people. Encourage yourself with the promises of God. Get on the website. Watch the videos of the testimony of great things God is doing in people's hearts. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Mm. The second thing David does, which I think is amazing. He says, bring me the ephod. David says, it's time to worship. 
are to get in the presence. That's what I've got to do. It never ceases to amaze me in all my years in church when people get discouraged and disappointed and disillusioned, the first thing they do is stop coming. They pull back from the one thing that can fix the problem. Oh, oh, for a church that was smart enough to see, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. That's why he's brought the disappointment to your world, because he wants you to pull back from the power source. He understands that if you pull back from God, who's going to lift you out of your discouragement? Who's going to lift you out of your despair? And when I get discouraged and disappointed, the first place I should be leaning into, now I've got to get to church. I've got to get to connect group. I've got to get somewhere. Bring me the ephod. It's time to sing. I've got to get some worship on in my car. I've got to open the Bible. I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to engage in something, right? I was uh, reading, uh, watching this incredible message the other day about Adam and Eve and Eve's own disappointment. When they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, she had a promise, right? Your, your descendant will bruise the serpent's head, will crush the serpent's head and he'll bruise his heel. There's a, there's a promise about a descendant and then one son kills the other son. So now she's got a son on the run and a dead son. And all of a sudden there's disappointment. God, what? How does that? I, I, thought, I thought you promised. Disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment. And I can imagine Eve going, man, I don't want to bar this. Her two sons, and the Bible says that she gave birth with great travail. I've been in there for birth, it ain't good, right? Ladies, whoo! Hallelujah for being a man, but good on you. That's all I'm saying. Woo! Help me, Jesus. And she's like, I'm done. But eventually, passion takes over. And she becomes intimate with Adam again. And out of her intimacy, the promise comes. The devil wants you to pull back from the very thing that's going to deliver the promise. You ain't giving birth to anything without intimacy. And if you're trying to give birth to a promise of God, the very thing he wants to do is to alienate you from it. If you've ever had any people married in the house tonight, any of those people ever had an argument or a disagreement with your significant other? Liars! And the last thing that you feel like doing when you're angry and upset is being intimate. Exactly. So the devil wants you to be angry and upset so that you'll forget about intimacy. And by being not intimate, you can't give birth to anything. Therefore, the promise is dead and the seed dies in you. You've got to get in the presence. When things happen, see, in His presence is fullness of joy. Not just happiness, man. Happiness is all right. Because I'm happy. That's lovely. I want joy. Happy is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. And in His presence is fullness of joy. I've always said, uh, when Jesus is all that you want, when He's all that you've got, it's enough. So fullness of joy comes in His presence when there's intimacy and connection. What do we do for time? Help me, Jesus. Okay. In His presence, there's freedom. In His presence, there's strategy. God, how do I get through this? Get in His presence. That's where your strategy is. Jericho. 
March around the wall. That is not a normal strategy. I don't know if you've ever taken a city before, but walking around it, it's not accepted methodology for taking a stronghold. And yet in His presence, there's strategy for your stronghold, for your battle, for your promise, for your promised land. Number three, get a word and hold on. I love the humility of David to say, God, should we pursue? How many people do I know that would just be like, right, we're out, we're going to go get him. And David's like, God, if you don't want this in my life anymore, I'll surrender at that. Should I pursue? (sighs) Wow. It's my wife and kids. And yet God is still master and Lord of all and has the ability to say no. David's like, God, should I? Because you're number one. And if you say no, I can live with a no. I don't know if that challenges you, but that challenges me. A humility to walk before God and say, if you say no, you know, some of the things that get taken out of your life get taken out of your life for a reason. And we go after them because we want them, not because God wants us to have them. What humility. Should I go after them, God? But once God says yes, oh, you best believe he got up and he got to moving. And five minutes ago, this guy's lying on the floor weeping until he can't weep any more tears. And now he's like, get your sword, boys. We're going to go cause some trouble. I got a word now. Now, now I've got a word. Now I got something to hold on to. Now I got something to grab onto with both hands and declare the promises of God. If you want a word, it's in the word. Everyone in this building, if you want a word, it's in the Word. I'm telling you, too many people want to go to this conference and that conference and please somebody prophesy. Jesus has said all that needs to be said. If you want a word, get in the Word. Don't come and get some counselling. Open your Bible. Allow God to speak. It's in the Word. Your Word is in the Word. You need good ideas and God ideas. You need something. You know what? When your word is the thing that you're holding on to, it's very easy to let go. When God's word is what you're holding on to, man, that thing will hold you. We see David goes out with his 600 men and it's a long, tri- it's a long journey. There's, there's three days that they pursue these bad guys. They get to rivers and half of the men or a third of the men are like, man, we can't do this anymore. We're tired. They were overwhelmed with their grief and they just allowed circumstances. But David's like, I got a word. So I'm crossing over this river. Who's with me? And 400 men are like, we're with you. And they crossed over some things and they found some unusual allies in unusual places. And ultimately they got a hold of the thing that God had for them. You need something to hold on to. When your emotion is overwhelming and it feels like a good idea just to lie down and feel sorry for yourself. I got a word. He said, I can have it back. Point four. He didn't wait for God to bring it to him. He went after it. You got to go after it. Too many weak-willed, lily-livered. Go after your sons and your daughters. Go after your promise. Go after your mum and your dad. Go after your family. Go after that job that God said you could have. Go after that promotion that God said. Go after the call of God in your life. Get your sword. Get some mighty men and go after that thing that God has called you to take a hold of. 
fight the good fight. And the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And my dad used to say, some people just wrestle not, full stop. It's time to wrestle for some things. It's time to fight like it matters. It's time to take the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I wanna be one of those ones that takes a hold of things by force and says, you know what? Once God has spoken, you're gonna have to kill me to get this thing off me, I'm telling you now. When you go after it, you're gonna have to cross over. When you go after it, you're gonna have to fight through some things. You know, they still had to kill the enemy. It's not like they got to the enemy and the enemy went, oh, okay, here's your wives and sons back. Yeah, good job, well done. They had to kill them. They had to do battle. You have to fight some things to get the promise of God because if it's worth something, it's gonna cost you something. Nothing that's worth having is free. Nothing is, that's worth having is easy. You can have to fight for some things. And I believe God is raising up a church that knows what it is to fight. Build a wall with a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. That's what we're called to do. Go after it. Go after it. You know, in 2 Chronicles 12, it, it details the story of mighty men who came to David. And it says, and these are the men that came to David at Ziklag. You don't know who God's adding to your life in the process of doing this. But I'm telling you, if you can build this pattern in your life, you will get everything that God has for you, even those things that you thought were lost to you. Even the things that you thought that the enemy came and he got a victory and he took from you, it's time to take them back. Sons, daughters, mums, dads, calls, destinies, purpose, whatever it is, it's time to take it back. It's time to stop the time for weeping until you cannot weep anymore. That's good. It's good that you've done that and got that emotion out of your system. Now dust yourself off, get your sword Get your butt up off the ground. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the promises of God. Get yourself back in a place of intimacy and presence so that the seed of the thing that God has put in you can come to fruition. Get a word from God and hold on. And now it's time to kick some butt. I don't know, are you with me? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.